Hello, this is Mary. And this is Chandler. And you're listening to The Miss Fisher Files. Welcome, everyone, to a special edition mini podcast. And this is sort of like a what's new in the world of Miss Fisher fandom yeah, version of the podcast. Yeah, instead of um, recapping ad nauseum actual episodes of Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, we are going to recap ad nauseum the amazing things happening in the world of other Friny fans. And we are very privileged to live in a part of the world where these things are happening. And so we got to meet a bunch of these wonderful people over the weekend and we got to attend a really amazing performance and we're going to tell you about it. Yeah. So um, if you recall from our episode on Murder Most Scandalous, we interviewed Jojo Stiletto, who is the producer of many, many a burlesque, um, all of them feminist, all of them having some something to do with pop culture. And um, she really wanted to do one about Miss Fisher. And that's how she, she was researching and that's how she came across our podcast. And then we became fast friends. And she had told us about this upcoming burlesque show that she was producing. I think it was last fall. I think that's right. And it was going to be held in Seattle, which is our home city. Uh, well, close to it. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Seattleites would yeah. beg to differ, right. but whatever. You live in Tacoma. <laughs> Tacoma is, is often the uh, ugly stepsister. Yes. Or, I don't know. But to con- everybody else to in the world who don't even know where Tacoma is, we just tell people, you know, around Seattle, and right. they know what we're talking about. So for anyway. these purposes, yes, <laughs> nearby. And uh, we have been awaiting this date for months now. So long. I So when she said it was January 27th that she was doing it, somehow I'd already had in my head when Inauguration Day was mm. and realized that this was coming one week after what yep. would surely be a terrible day, and it was. Um, and so it just this kept is, on oh going. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. This terrible happened. day stretched into a terrible week. <laughs> right. I know. And so this was like the shining beacon of light in my week. Yeah. I had this coming up and I got so excited. It was so fun. It was exactly what I needed after the epic levels yeah. of shit that we had to get through. So, um, thank you, Jojo, for choosing that time to put this on because I think we all kind of needed it. Yeah. So the event was held at the Rendezvous in Seattle, which is a uh, a bar and a jewel box theater that actually began as a movie theater in the 1920s. And it has recently been, like like many things that are that old, uh, it fell into a time of serious disrepair. I think it ran as a very skeezy porn house <laughs> movie theater for a while, like in the 80s. I could see that. The 80s were a grim time. <laughs> the Reagan administration did a lot of bad things for historic architecture. And, oh. Oh, and uh, But somebody bought the, bought the building um, some years back and restored it, and it is now in its former glory once again. And it is this beautiful space. It's a tiny little theater. I think, I don't think you could fit more than maybe 50, 60 people yeah, in there. Yeah, I think there were 60 seats. Yeah. It, it's a very small, intimate space. It's got this beautiful Art Deco decor, which of course fits the theme. Yeah, it was perfect. Perfectly. And it apparently was a speakeasy for, for a time in its history. And 
that could not have been more perfect either because not only did it fit the period and the theme and everything, but there was something about being there that night and watching burlesque and having the benefit the benefit aspect of the program, like the raffle and everything, benefiting mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood and having this idea of these feminist characters taking their clothes off for joy and for entertainment and laughter, it felt downright subversive, yeah, especially really that week when it yeah. took place. It, it was like we were back in a speakeasy again. I know. It felt, I loved that it was part of a larger bar and that we were tucked away in this little room in the back. Yeah. It just, yeah. And the people having drinks on the other side of the wall didn't know what was going on. Exactly. In there. And made it that much more like illicit feeling in the best way. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. And I just kept thinking all night, like I am watching body positive feminist burlesque when Trump is destroying the world. Like this feels like a political act. Yeah. it, It was so, so great. And and not only that, but the performances themselves were just incredible. Oh my goodness. Every one of them was amazing. And we feel incredibly lucky to have witnessed it firsthand. But for those of you who couldn't be there, because you live, you know, across Somewhere the universe, else. Yeah. Um, we wanted to kind of take you through the show and let you know what the different acts were. Yeah. And, um, and also, like, I just want to call out the audience participation was incredible. And I think this was such a big part of it for me and why it was like a balm to my soul because you had all of these people and by all, I mean like 60 people. But it was a very diverse crowd. It it was. was. It was men and women. I think Mm -hmm. mostly women, gay, straight, black, white, whatever mix you can think of. Mm -hmm. Family members of the cast. Yeah. Everybody Um, was there. It was fantastic. And people were in on the jokes like there were so many great little nods to the show and people got them very knowledgeable it was just the energy could not have been better and yeah I really I hope that we can somehow capture that as we're talking about it just to kind of give you a sense of what it was like but well and a further shout out to Miss Jojo because we first of all at the performance it didn't occur to us to take any notes at all until about halfway through and I was (laughs) scribbling on I think the napkin ring I think that's what I was that what the that paper was? napkin it ring was a I think skinny piece of paper that you had that I... was the napkin ring <laughs> and, which I then promptly lost and we were a little befuddled by drink so mm-hmm. it's hard to take coherent notes especially if you lose them later right. so today it's only been a couple of days but we're sitting here trying to piece it all together and we could <laughs> not do it so Jojo came to the rescue and she has sent us some photos that we're actually going to be kind of going through as we go yeah. through this so we can and have a set pretty, list yes so yes. we have a pre- now we have a pretty vivid record uh, and thank hopefully you, we'll be able to take you through this so yeah. thank you Jojo there were um, themed drinks I think to blame <laughs> for the fact yes. that we cannot totally recall the exact set list but yes who cares also we're old oh yeah hashtag old (laughs) Uh, yeah there's that (laughs) so thank you jojo for saving us yes so um the premise of the show was as a fundraiser for the women's hospital that yes is hosting in melbourne in melbourne and the women's hospital turns out to be planned parenthood and there were so many great jokes about family planning or you know (laughs) planning to not have a family or Mm -hmm. you name it and they made the jokes. It was fantastic. And this was all um, emceed by the absolute fabulous Rebecca Mademoiselle Davis. Um, she was so good as Aunt P. Yes. Just she, perfect. Perfect. She had this fantastic presence and accent and fur coat mm-hmm. and cloche hat and just 
slightly naughty, but prim. But, like, yes, respectable. Pr- yeah, how can you pull off naughty and prim at I the same know. time? But she did. Yeah, I mean, she was sort of teasingly slapping people's hands in the audience, you yes. know, like verbally. Yes. And, and Your there was. Your is not misplaced. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was one of my favorites when anyone would cheer. Yeah, it was great. You would do well to hoot or something? I think woo. I think you would do well to woo. You would do well to woo. Yes. So good. And she was accompanied by Mr. Butler, who was so charming and so, I really hate the phrase on point, but he really mm. was on point. He was. And he was played by, and we're we are using stage names here because these are the names we have, um, but he was played by Mr. Peter Whimsey. I love that and so very much. He was charming and hilarious and just, just perfect. So much presence. Mm-hmm. Also easy on the eyes. I'm just going to yeah, say it. He was. He yeah. really was. So we are looking through some of these photos here and we're going to try very hard not to just devolve into <laughs> giggles <laughs> for this, but the, forgive us if we do. Yeah. I mean, the show was really funny, as you can imagine. Yeah. Lots of tongue in cheek stuff and just little nods to the show that made it really, really fun. Yes. So, so there were, I believe, 11 burlesque numbers with an intermission in between. Uh, there also was a raffle which benefited Planned Parenthood. And I need to say something about this raffle because it was fantastic. I am not sure I have the credits for everybody who helped out behind the scenes uh, in front of there. me. And I'm not going to torture you by digging it all out. Um, but the gal who was running the raffle, who whose character in this was as Franny's ward Jane, all grown up and with a blonde bombshell wig, <laughs> uh, she was the one taking the raffle donations and parsing out the tickets and the way just the way that she distributed the tickets she the, it was either a buck it was a buck per ticket or 10 bucks for the length of her arm or 20 bucks for her height and every time she rolled out these tickets along her arm it was like a burlesque performance it was there was a right flourish there. it was beautiful how she did and it alluring and, and funny in character sort of yeah. I mean it was just yeah it was really well yeah. done so every detail of the show everything was yeah. carefully considered and, and entertaining and instantly beautiful. made me want to give more money yeah so oh yeah we <laughs> so forked well it over yeah well done <laughs> yes um yes everything every every bit of the show was so well produced yes it's like Jojo has done this before you would think <laughs> So there were five Frinies. Am I getting this right? Six. Six Frinies. There were six Frinies in this show. Six different Frinies, all of different heights, different body types, um, different races and ethnicities. uh, And it was so well done. And it really treated Friny as an archetype. Mm -hmm. So they're all wearing the Friny wig. And they all had... The Friny wig was really the only thing they had in common besides, you know, fabulous, opulent clothing. Right. But... It was more in the attitude and the way they carried themselves. And they all had that in common. They all had that sassy confidence and poise. And we're looking at some photos of this right now, and, and it's bearing us out here. They're, they're <laughs> so, so beautiful and confident and smoldering. And yeah. yeah. So we had six different Frinies, all very, very different, except for this common archetype that they had in common. And the Friny numbers alternated with numbers about other characters. Mm-hmm. So we started out with Friny. We have the Friny Tango performed by the wonderful Amara Strutt, who I got to talk to briefly after the show. She was fantastic. Um, so tell me what you liked about that number. 
to I remember. Am, yeah, well, first of all, her dress is stunning. <laughs> yeah. And then we get to the fan dance part, and the fan itself is this giant red fan. There are two of them with, I don't know, some other kind of... Uh, those look like pheasant yeah, tail feathers. Pheasant tail feathers. It, arranged sort of in like a spiky star pattern amongst yeah. the red ostrich feathers. And it it works so well with the rest of the costume. Yeah. Um, and she's using a chair in this act and disrobing behind her fan. I believe it is, in fact, a vintage chair. I think it, it looks, is a 1920s it looks like it. chair. Yeah. So if that's the case, well done. Also, as she receives these fans from Dot. From Dot! She plants a kiss on Dot's forehead. Yes. And the lipstick pattern is there. Very, and it's so very well perfect. done. Yes. Yes. So there's that nice little moment. And she just does this amazing fan dance. And she's taking off her nylons. And I there was a lot of... Uh, she stocking had a lot of, removal yeah. done very, very sexy-like. stocking removal. Yes. Yeah. And so this costume that she's wearing is sort of a red and silver alternating layers costume. So she starts out in this red velour wrap that she takes off pretty much immediately. And then she's in this silver flapper gown. And under that is a red uh, like a cami, slip, like yeah, cami knickers. Or, or yeah. wait, oh, the slip, right? Yeah, it's like a yeah, <laughs> negligee of slip. some yeah. sort. Okay, and then under that is silver undies of some sort. I I am terrible. There are at this. a lot of layers. I don't know my terminology. So, no, I know. I don't either. Um, <sighs> I'm wearing, for the record, a hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> really sexy. But she probably have great layers on under that. Oh, so, um, yeah. yeah. A black t-shirt from Target. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Super hot. Bring burlesque into your life. Right. Ladies. Oh, and the other main point, the other little detail, the little nugget of joy from this number is she hung one of her strappy silver sandals on the heating register on the wall above the stage. <laughs> There's like a decorative vent. Yeah. And she, yeah, stuck the heel In into the spirit it. of the heeled shoe hanging from the chandelier. And I believe her velvet wrap dress was a reference to the red velvet dress that Dot gets the blood out of right. when we first meet her. Yes, like the most fantastic dress Melbourne has ever seen or something, yeah. is what Franny calls it. Yeah. Yes. So, well done you, Amara Strutt. Um, and we meet Dot in that first number as well, because like Mary said, she plants that kiss on her forehead as a reference there. And then we get a Dot number right away in the second, the second act, the second number. And I have to say, I loved this whole show, but this was my favorite number, and... Hyacinth Lee, who played Dot, was my favorite of the performers, and that was a very hard choice to make because they, they were so all so good, phenomenal. But I got to chat with her afterwards as well, and she just had has so much personality and spunk and smarts in her performance, and she is a pint-sized person. I mean, she is <laughs> petite on stage, and then I met her afterwards, and she is this tiny pixie-like person in real life and I'm thinking you are a powerhouse yeah she she really she was, was so wonderful I just uh, there's so much joy in her number and we have to walk you through this number because it is it's so good killer so first of all she's still wearing the lipstick smudge on yep. her forehead that had happened in the previous act and um, the tied at the neck long nightgown yeah. of dot in the first episode when she has to wait by the phone she's all bundled up 
after the most exciting day ever. <laughs> and she has this princess phone on a beautiful period telephone stand. Yeah, that telephone stand's gorgeous. Or, or plant What's stand. What's a princess or, phone? A princess phone is the style of the phone. Okay. Um, it's, it so looks like a Cruella de Vil yeah. style of um, the phone with the very ornate handle and the extra little, I don't know, doohickey. If my husband were here, he'd be able to tell us what that doohickey is. Um, the, the mouthpiece that mm. kind of h- hangs downward. And then you have this very ornate um, base with the dial on it. And it, um, that style of phone is called a princess phone. Okay. So it, it looks like a beautiful but sort of classic old rotary phone. Yeah. Well. Obviously, it's going to be rotary. Um, yeah, but it's on this gorgeous stand. So, I mean, in, in each case, the set was very minimal. Yes. So we have phone stand, phone, and chair. Yeah, it's usually like a chair or something that they're performing on and then like, like a one table. prop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she's sitting there by the phone reading her holy the Bible. Bible. <laughs> and, and she's just all, you know, bundled up for the night in her jammies. And, and the then phone the phone rings. rings. And the look on her face... <laughs> And, and we were sitting in the back. We yeah. were in the very back of the cedar, and you could see, and all she moved was her eyes, and you could see it so clear as day. <laughs> it, was, it was like a silent movie. It was it like really a vaudeville was. show. Um, and of course, she is scared witless by this phone ringing and startled every time. And then that becomes the thrust of the performance. <laughs> and she touches the phone, and then nothing happens to her. And then she decides to get a little bolder, touches it again, and then she starts licking her fingers <laughs> and touching the phone. Yeah, so it becomes like sort of this tease with the phone where she thinks it's dangerous, but she's playing that up and sort of, yeah, playing with the phone. What you think phone sex is, this is not it. <laughs> But she found another way for there to be phone sex. Oh, this is this. This is Dot's version of phone sex. Oh, my God. And I can't remember what the the music was exactly, but it it fit it somehow. And I'm sorry. We have the set list somewhere. We are the worst at recapping this. (laughs) We're sorry, Jojo. Sorry, Hyacinth. Um, But what... As she does her striptease, so she she gets out of this this robe, this crazy Victorian she's robe, getting more confident, and and of course she's wearing these delightful granny panties that I I love, <laughs> and they really remind me of the French knickers mm-hmm. in the in the costume party episode. But her negligee, her her underwear is made out of pink rosaries, like a hundred pink. Rosaries. Which are attached to pink suspenders that are attached to the granny panties. And then under the granny panties are more rosaries <laughs> attached to her little modesty panel. Yeah. And they're handled kind of like tassels almost. It's like they're bundled and then I died right there. As yeah. soon as as soon as that happened, I died. And I I will tell you, I am a um a religious atheist who went to a Catholic high school and was <laughs> a religious then. And this like justified my entire teenage years right here seeing this happen. And she's, you know, she gets her confidence in this number and she's, she starts rocking out to yeah, she's the playing music, air guitar, playing air guitar phone. on the rosary. It's just, it's so good. I, it's so good. And then when, uh, when she reveals it all, there's, we're actually looking at a photo right now of her kind of bearing everything. And she's twirling her arms around and sending these rosaries on these suspenders flying in an artful way. And the, the, the photographer captured it in such a moment and such an angle that it looks like a religious icon. She looks like 
<laughs> the Virgin Mary with this beatific look on her face. As soon as Chandler saw this photo, she started sketching. I did a drawing of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really perfect. We'll post it. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, they're just basically there are no there aren't superlatives enough for no. Miss Lee and her so good. amazing performance. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, we're and then going through these photos. At the very end, she covers herself with the Bible and kind of <laughs> oh yes, and then, then she answers, answers the phone. The phone. I forgot about that. Okay, yes. and then. Between the next set, we have uh, Mr. Butler bringing Aunt P a cup of tea. But he forgot the biscuit, and he gets, well, shall we say, dressed down <laughs> for it. <laughs> but no clothes are actually removed. Right. So Mr. Butler and, and Aunt P remain fully clothed. <laughs> but he gets soundly dressed down. Yes. Oh, yes. Then we get to... Franny with a golden gun. And it's set to... Um, the Bond theme. It, the yeah, garbage. At, least, at least at the beginning, yeah. Is it the, the whole time? The world is not enough, I think. I think that's no, right. No, it, it turns into something else. I took zero music notes. Failure. Um, but that it was performed by the lovely Verity Germain. Um, oh, yeah. The yeah, World, is, the not world is Not Enough by okay. Garbage. And she does such a great job with this little golden gun. I think this is the only one that featured a golden gun. I think that's right. Um, and the, so the costumes in this are really key. So at the beginning, she shows up with this golden gun and she's wearing this quintessential Phryne look. This is one of our six Phrynes. Um, she's wearing a fur stole. I don't know if it's faux or real. I don't care. Um, <laughs> sorry, PETA folks don't care. And she's wearing a, um, velour, a velvet, a wine colored, dark velvet dress with these beautiful jewels, one at the um, shoulder strap and one at the hip where there's like a slit applique. up till there's yeah. yeah and there's like a slit to what like there's no tomorrow <laughs> up the side um and her number is all about Phryne's hidden weaponry and we discover there's also a little knife in her garter and that <laughs> knife becomes the method by which she does her striptease um she's cutting her garters she's Oh, it's, it's really good. It's yeah. I, I think if it were handled differently, it could be sort of cringeworthy, like, because I'm uncomfortable with the, the violence plus Mm. sex combination generally, like that really gets my hackles up. Yeah. But in this case, it was handled so well. She's doing it as an empowered Empowered, woman. Empowered. Yeah. And which, I mean, that's the whole point of burlesque. So this was just such a beautiful sort of tribute to the dangerous tools that Franny is concealing. Right. Weapons. Right. And and I think, you know, to go back to Hyacinth Lee and the dot versus telephone number, it's kind of a similar thing. It could have veered into Madonna horror complex Mm -hmm. um, territory so easily, but she really wrote that line. She used it as an empowerment thing, as a discovering her own sexuality kind of number. And this is the same here with Verity Germain. You know, she she's positioned from where we were sitting. She had, you know, I think the point of view is really important in burlesque because obviously they do a lot of things with their back turned to the audience so they can get ready for the next costume change or removal of clothing and, or the reveal of a body part. So point of view is really important. And so she's really carefully considered what she's revealing, what she's not revealing, what angle she's facing the audience, what you can see, what you can't see. And it's very clever how she's, how she's done this, her body positioning. She, unlike some of the other numbers, she is, 
she strips down pretty quickly in this number, but mm-hmm. then it's all about her body position and how she's standing and um, how much you see based on what she chooses to reveal to you. And I think that is really powerful and, and beautiful. And you could really, I mean, we're looking at these photographs and the photographs really reveal how beautiful the, the performance is as a dance because mm-hmm. it's like, like ballet or like some of these other um, dance forms if you were to freeze frame or take a picture at any moment, it would be a beautiful tableau. And mm-hmm. I think that's the case here. Yeah, too. Every still is just gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Everyone is like framed as though you were trying to frame just that particular moment. Right. But it's actually part of a dance. Right. So carefully considered the whole performance. <laughs> so we just came upon a photo where she's fishing out another time. Is it an, is it the lipstick lighter? I can't tell. Oh, I don't know. She's fishing or, out something from her bikini bottom. Yeah. Here. It was either the lipstick or lock picks. Oh, um, oh, it's, that's it. It's the, it maybe it's a hairpin or something because then okay. she picks a lock on her, um, fur capelet at the very, very end when she's pretty much bared everything. And then she pulls out a robe, which is reminiscent of the cockfight robe from a little hidden compartment, very Bond-like in her <laughs> capelet. And then she just f- sweeps it on over her shoulders and then flounces off the stage. Just I think you had a better vantage point on this one than I did. There was oh, somebody, I, was, I was kind of craning. Yeah, there was a tall person in front of me. I didn't see that. I'm so glad you did. I was kind of doing backflips in my chair to try to catch yeah. up a little bit. So I hope there wasn't somebody behind me getting mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> Next oh. up, we had Bert and Sess are friendly commies. Yeah. That is the name of the set. And it was done by Eva Vivascia and Flora Lafanis. And they were so fun. So to fun. Watch. So this is a drag number. Yeah. So Both they come the characters. Out together with trench coats, fedora. Well, no, Cess. One is in a trench coat. One's in a tweed overcoat. Um, one has a fedora, and the other has one of those newsy th- newsy caps. I think I don't know that's what those Cess. Cess is the, in the newsy cap, I believe, and yeah. Bert, I think, is in the fedora. I think so too. Um, actually, that looks like a Hamburg to me, but. I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to tell in the still. Um, but so we get, if those of you who like the menswear like I do, you get all kinds of menswear in this number. <laughs> and it all comes off yeah. too. And they're all in these varying shades of neutral gray and beige and taupe and brown. And it's, and the number is just hysterically funny. And underneath their various trench coats, they're actually wearing identical costumes. They have the same gray sort of chambray work shirt on underneath. And then they have some pretty hilarious underwear underneath that. And the number, by the way, that they are, this I actually did remember, they are dancing to our, um, how can we sleep if our beds are burning by midnight oil. And I was told by Jojo that one of these performers, I'm not sure which, I'm sorry, I didn't get to talk to either of them. One of these performers is actually Australian. So we have the actual Aussie seal of approval here (laughs) for this show. And I believe the one who is Cess, and I'm not sure which performer that is, is tattooed to the nines. And she is fabulous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, this is both hilarious, it's comic, it's sexy, it's a 
a spoof on Aussie culture with the tea and the midnight oil. They have they have paper teacups hidden in their in their <laughs> bosoms, <laughs> which they pull out and they're they're blowing on their little paper teacups <laughs> towards the end. And then it all comes off, and I don't know. Uh, I don't oh. know terms. I do not know terms well, with burlesque. But what are these pasties? Well, yes, the pasties covering nipples. The pasties are commie stars, by the way. Oh, oh my gosh, I hadn't even noticed that. What's hilarious? Oh my god, are those hammer and sickles, <laughs> or am I imagining them? Either way, they're in the I colors of the communist so flag, good. the red and yellow. That's so funny. <sighs> and then, and then uh, what I don't are the know crotch covers. Yeah, I don't. It's like a spoon shaped thing she's she's texting jojo right now it's like a spoon-shaped thing that that they wear they must be incredibly uncomfortable it's like a cross between a serving spoon and a bicycle seat and just imagine how you might wear that and that's what you get (laughs) it's like a wedgie on purpose it's like a modesty panel Mm -hmm. one step beyond a thong because there's nothing there's nothing holding it on except you know butt cheeks Next, the next set was kind of a little break from what we'd seen before, and yeah, and it is not a striptease no, number. It's Pinky Fingers coming out with her ukulele. Franny sings a dirty song, <laughs> <laughs> and it truly is a dirty song. It is a very dirty song, <laughs> and it's a good. It's actually a good warm up for the following number, the last number of Act One, which also features a dirty song sung by Liz Fair, which we'll get to in a minute. But this is kind of a prelude to Liz Fair. And Liz Fair kind of needs a prelude because if you haven't had your coffee when you hear Liz Fair, <laughs> you might be in for a little bit of a shock. Yeah. <laughs> she did such your a Your coffee a, and your sex ed. Right. <laughs> but she has such a great presence. She's a very small person. She's got mm-hmm. this little ukulele and she's very sweet. And she's wearing this baby pink kind of bustier and with she has black kind of feathers. A high pitched voice and it's kind of girlish. Yep. She's and our third Franny of the night. And uh, I think the chorus was bang me. Right? I want, I, yeah. I want you to bang me. <laughs> and then, yeah. In the interest of keeping this a clean rated podcast i probably won't go into great detail about the specific lyrics of the song but let's just say bang me is the cleanest lyric (laughs) of the song (laughs) but it's sung in this like girlish voice with a ukulele yeah so it's this perfect juxtaposition i'm adorable bang Bang me me. yeah (laughs) (sighs) oh oh yes yes so the final set of the first act is our last Franny number of, well, it's our fourth Franny, our last number of the first act. And it is, I don't even know how to describe this. I know. It starts out with, you just see an, a velvet and fur clad arm with a black opera length glove on it sticking out from the curtain. And that, that's all you see at first. And then, and then who steps out from the stage is none other than the legendary Shanghai Pearl, who is uh, she is an incredible burlesque performer and her and I am not really educated on the Seattle burlesque scene. I haven't been to really a burlesque show for years now since I lived in the Twin Cities, but even I know of the Shanghai Pearl. Yeah. And when she stepped out on the stage, it's like this hush fell over the room and people just gasped and like, "Oh, it's her." She was amazing. She was amazing. I mean, the, the whole, costume. The costume. Oh my oh. gosh. We have this beautiful red velvet 
cocoon coat, like the 1920s big sleeves, like raglan sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, fur trim on the collar and the sleeves. Um, So it just has this wonderful texture. And then she starts disrobing. She, of course, peels off the opera length black gloves with her teeth. And then she reveals this incredible dress. This yellow, and yellow was the imperial color for the time, for a time in imperial China. It hmm. was a royal color. So she, I'm sure that was not an accident. She's wearing this silk dress where the, the, the camisole part of the upper, the bodice of the dress is this yellow silk with a dragon on it. And then the, the skirt of the dress is this celestial blue with pleats and fringes. And so we're getting all worked up about her costume, but a little extra detail, just a little (laughs) minor detail is that the Shanghai Pearl does her entire dance on a giant orange diaphragm. (laughs) Minor detail. Yeah. No big deal. In fact, the number is called Phryne and the diaphragm. It's so funny. And I, from where I was sitting, it looked like a bull. I could not see what it actually was. So to find out that that's what it was kind of blew my mind. Yeah. It, and now I'm looking at pictures and it's incredible. Yeah. It's this really big, I, I mean, how did they construct this? The size yeah. of an ottoman <laughs> di- orange diaphragm that she picks up and at first she kind of climbs on it and does sexy things on it and then she flips it over so that it becomes like a bowl or a bathtub and then she does even more scandalous things in it. <laughs> All the while disrobing and doing incredibly suggestive things. And she's wearing this beautiful um, negligee under it that is kind of nude colored and it has sort of bejeweled. And it reminds me of the glimpses we caught of what Franny was wearing when she did her infamous fan dance on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, The cutouts in the panties are really amazing. Yeah. They're like these teardrop cutouts in the front. And there is actually some kind of jewel dangling from the front there. Maybe it kind of looks like a pearl. And the song is a Liz Fair song. It's the title is HWC, and yeah. we're just going to leave it just there. Just go look it up if you're curious. <laughs> but if you're under the age of eighteen, maybe don't look it up. Maybe don't. Yeah, yeah. it had me blushing in the dark. FYI, as soon as it it launched into the chorus, I'm like, oh right, it's Liz Fair. <laughs> yeah. Of course. She can be counted also upon for... are the the artist who penned such hits as shitloads of money <laughs> <laughs> um and the Shanghai Pearl just owned it she you know she's she's basically taking a bath in h w c in this diaphragm, yeah, she's and then dipping at the, herself at the end of the number, is it Mr. Butler who shows up and I think so hands her a, yes, yes, Mr. Butler shows up with a little tray looking completely nonchalant and professional and hands her a tiny little milk pitcher from a tea set and she pours white glitter all over her her chest. Neck, yeah, neck and chest. And And then rubs it around. Yeah. In a diaphragm. (laughs) Like a boss. With the Liz Fair song in the background. What more can I say? Yeah. (laughs) It, it, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> but you know, like that all of that was kind of in the background in my head because the whole time I'm like, oh my gosh, she is an phenomenal. She was so good. Just, Every movement was just graceful and perfect. Yeah. Actually, I didn't think of this first with the Shanghai Pearl, so please do not mistake this for a coded race thing. But what reminded me of this performance and the other performances was what I've read about Geisha. And hmm. I know that the Shanghai Pearl, this is a this is an 
Chinese character, not a Japanese character. However, there are some similarities because that world was created for the entertainment of men, yet they were real artists. They were highly trained. They were incredibly professional. They were so highly skilled in their technique and in their training in so many different art forms. And that was a sense that I got from the Shanghai Pearl here and many of the other performers is that, yeah, they're doing this sexy, hilarious striptease. And then in her case, she's stripping to Liz Fair and we're laughing our heads off <laughs> in a freaking diaphragm. But she's an artist. Mm-hmm. She was, and she's an athlete. She is this incredible dancer with this impeccable timing and impeccable mm-hmm. form and technique and everything else. And you forget all of that yeah, because you're just entertained by this right. sexiness. The contrast between her beautiful movements and the gracefulness and then <laughs> the total like <laughs> crude nature. The crude silliness. Yes. Yeah. It was really remarkable. Yeah. It was just perfect. It, it's like, uh, it was a perfect blend. It's like a prima ballerina. I, and I felt like it was really stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was. And it felt very Franny esque. Yeah. Because that's kind that's of. That's really the essence of Franny. Yeah. She is this high class, highly educated, wealthy woman. She didn't come from wealth, but she became wealthy. She has a title, all of these things. She's kind of the epitome of, quote, good breeding. Mm-hmm. But she's doing naughty stuff and but leaving she's, her. And I just feel like she's really, um, she's human. Like that's really what is at the heart of right. it. She's not. Right. And gas. Disguising. She buys Pret-a-Porter. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they're showing both elements of her character. And, and that's why I think she's such a great character. Because yeah. she can be human. She can be real and naughty and like draw attention to her humanity in a way that women were not supposed to. Right. Still aren't supposed to. Right. And that's what is just so, it's so confident. It's so empowering. Yeah. So yeah, this act I think was really kind of the essence and of Franny. And it really, I think, raised the bar. I mean, everybody in this show was professional and a wonderful performer, but but the Shanghai Pearl is a, another level above, above that, I think. And and as we're saying all of this to you, we're, the, we're looking at the last image of this set, and it's her, you know, smearing this glitter all over herself <laughs> with an absolute shit-eating grin on her yep. face. <laughs> yep. That is a smug <laughs> grin, and I love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Uh, oh, look, an audience photo. Oh, hey. Hey, there we are. There we are. <laughs> My dress was not 1920s. I didn't have a 1920s dress, nor did I have time to get one. So I had a 1940s dress on, so forgive me. It was adorable. saw me there. It was great. My hat was 30s, though, as were my shoes. So I was close. You were, yes. And those were actually vintage. I mean, you get points. You get points for for dressing up and bringing it. And most, well, I'd say at least half the audience had really dressed up for this, which was also part of the fun. Yeah. So, I mean, I had spent a while, like, collecting different things for my costume. You rocked it. Your outfit was awesome. It was, it's also like a trial run for my con outfit. And you were like, don't make me sit. <laughs> Turns out the dress is real short when you sit down, so that is good to know. Um, yes. I also, don't really... a highlight of the evening was when you discovered that your headband, your flapper headband, also doubled as an excellent pirate eye patch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That might have happened after a few of the themed beverages were consumed. Yes. Yes. May or may not. Maybe. I would say what stays at the burlesque show, what happens at the burlesque show stays at the burlesque show, but we're clearly defining no, that right now. No, we're breaking that. Yeah. We're breaking that rule. So we came back from a little intermission, and 
this is another one of my favorite acts. So mm. this is Bolt Action. Mm-hmm. Our first male performer of the night. Well, not counting Mr. Butler. Jack's Private Time is the name of this set. And it's so perfect because I know that you are not deep into the fan fiction rabbit hole like mm. I am, but there are so many stories that involve Jack sitting in his study at home in his like favorite chair with a table next to him with his glass of whiskey. Ugh. And that was the setting for this act. And it was so perfect. So yeah. at the end of a long day, he comes and sits down, he pours himself a whiskey and he's sitting there just sort of contemplating things. And then <laughs> a second later he goes and gets something and he brings back an eight by 10 framed photo of Franny. It's so good. And sets it on the table next to him. And then proceeds to pretend to be having a conversation with him while he's drinking his whiskey. And it's adorable. It's adorable. It was so perfectly done. He's like kind of giggling and like, oh, really? Do you think so? And then apparently the photo of Franny asks him to strip. So he obliges. Well, wouldn't you? (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't anyone? Franny says jump. She is very persuasive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he starts to disrobe very subtly at first and then it it quickly escalates i have to say he had me at the shirt sleeves i mean this performer (sighs) bolt action is very tall or at least he he appeared tall on stage it's hard to tell with thin performers but he's very lithe um very thin man he he, his his facial features reminded me a lot of um david bowie in the late 70s kind of circa circa 1976 david bowie even the hair um which hello you had me at that um (laughs) and he has these incredible cheekbones that he's emphasized with his stage makeup and um and and he's wearing that this it's like the suit was just made for him i mean he's wearing this incredibly lithe slender cut suit that has a proper waistline for the era thank you very much (laughs) not too low thank you very much um and his whole performance is just slow and languorous and I don't know how to describe it 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 isn't frenetic or highly energetic it's really intimate I mean he's having an intimate time with Franny even though she's not and he's not rushing it right and it's just... It's like he's free to be himself, and this is what he would be doing yeah. if he could. Yeah. And yeah, the the slowness, it, it's just so subtle and and perfect yeah. for this setting. And even he's wearing pasties. I love that so I cracked much. up at the, the pasties. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> and then... Um, and sock garters! Yep. Oh. When the pants come off, he's wearing actually pretty adorable boxer briefs yep um that are stripy blue stripy yeah with argyle black argyle socks and sock garters and then uh so yeah he's stripped down almost to nothing oh yeah and then as he was taking off his tie he flung it and it happened to drape over Franny's face in the photograph and I don't know if that was planned or just happenstance but it was such a perfect moment when he stops and he goes over and he kind of whisks it Two yeah. inches one way so that so you that can, she see, can her. see what he's doing. It's so perfect. So, it was great. Yeah. I, yeah. And like I said, I don't know that if was That was either planned, but. brilliant improv or really great aim. <laughs> like, <laughs> either way, it made for a perfect moment. Yeah. And then uh, he has 
taken everything off and uh, decides that maybe he's going to retire to the bedroom. And so we see him. He picks up his 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 drink and his friny picture and and scurries off stage left. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just brilliant because yeah, uh, yeah it really um, it perfectly embodied the scene that is becoming a trope in fan fiction of Jack sitting alone. Well, with good reason, I would yeah. say. And that's, that was one of the things, I mean, I loved so much about this. Like it really paid tribute to not only canon, but also sort of the fan, like what fans are thinking and doing and feeling about this show. Which I think was Jojo Stiletto's entire thrust for doing, for doing what she does, not Mm -hmm. just this show, but her Mm -hmm. other productions that she's done. I mean, that is, that really gets the heart of her... I don't know her. <laughs> She's <laughs> talking about wanting to find out what the fans are doing and like right. how they've put this into their lives, how they've made their own stories. Yeah, based on the stories that they have consumed. Yeah, how 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 stories become mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we had we had a little break for the raffle, and actually the gal that we met we met just that night. We had dinner with her. Um, Sasha was her name. Hi, Sasha. She. <laughs> Um, she is a, a fic writer, um, and she won the raffle, which is a pretty killer haul. It's a basket of looks like really good stuff. There's I just saw calendar, the hip flask, and yeah, I was like, There's a wow. flask, there's some themed tea, there's an activity book. So if you were a VIP, which we were not because we were in the booth in the back, yeah. um, and I kind of now wish that we had done VIP because we would have gotten the activity book. But did the um, VIPs get to look at these photos afterwards? I don't oh, think so. Yeah, this is about as VIP as you get, yeah. I think. So anyway, way to go, Sasha. Yeah. That, that was another fun part of the evening was um, I had coordinated with one of the adventuresses who ah. was coming up from Portland to see the show. And so we had communicated on the interwebs a few times. And so we, we got to meet her yes, and, um, and a, f- a couple other Miss Fisher fans who were local and had dinner before the show. So I, I have to say like this show is, has been amazing in my life in terms of yeah. meeting new people yeah. who share a similar interest and are just And then realizing they live in the same part of the world that we do yeah. and we're able to actually meet these people in person and then meeting the performers and Ugh. and they're yeah. all funny and smart and just interesting people yeah. and I love it because I feel like that's who watches the show the and people so, that you would want to be friends with anyway exactly and this has brought us all together which is really it really weeded phenomenal. out the chaff and it's the, oh, just the good ones big time no chaff <laughs> just for the us good ones left we have the creme de la creme here I ladies know. and gentlemen so congrats Sasha yeah enjoy the tea um, and then we have a little a little bit with Mr. Butler coming on. Um, he remembering that he didn't give biscuits with the tea in the first act, so he comes in with a tin of uh, fudge that happens to be from Guy. Yep. And uh, and and secretly, or at least unbeknownst to Aunt P, Mr. Butler snarfs like six pieces <laughs> of this fudge. He's stuffing his face with this fudge, which has consequences Two, later. Two, no three, no four pieces. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear Mr. Butler. Oh, oh, oh. And now we come to my other favorite number. <laughs> we have um, our next number is Phryne's Fan Dance. So this is our fifth Phryne, our penultimate Phryne, shall we say. And this is done by, this is performed by the incredible Ava DuJour. And I think Ava is is kind of on par with the Shanghai Pearl. She is this consummate professional. Mm-hmm. And she does this incredible and very quick 
strip tease at the beginning. You don't realize it's a fan dance at the beginning because she just shows up with a cigarette holder. Oh, she's the one who does the yeah. cigarette holder. Okay, so yeah, she uses her cigarette holder to, to remove her pry opera off her glove, and it's in a very suggestive manner. Seriously, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And she has this beautiful. Um, blue kind of capelet that she's wearing that reminds me sort of of the amoeba coat but is much better much than better the amoeba coat so well much done better. ava <laughs> yeah so <laughs> she strips down pretty darn quickly because then we, we were like oh that was fast and oh no that's because this is only just starting and then comes the fan dance and she's got beautiful pink feathers like in the show very similar to what's in the show and i've never seen a proper fan dance before. Like I've seen snippets of them before. And of course we got a very short one at the beginning of the show, but this is a real fan dance. Yes. And it was just stunning. Like in much as much as dots number was probably my personal favorite. This is the one I'm going to remember mm-hmm. forever. This mm-hmm. is the, this is iconic fans, the, the, her posture, mm-hmm. her the, athleticism. I know the amount of skill yeah. required to do this yeah. well and not look like a complete idiot, which is, how I would look. Yeah. Um, it's, it's remarkable. And I know Jojo talked about like how, uh, how amazing it was that Franny learned to fan dance in like two hours. Well, and it's very <laughs> clear that you cannot learn to you fan cannot. dance no, in two hours. This, this takes is a lot of time. Yeah. And, and clearly she has, Ava has years of training behind her as well. And she just is such a striking figure on stage and so, so beautiful and so mm-hmm. lyrical with her movements and also just sexy as hell. Yeah. It's the tease. I yeah. mean, that's that's what it is, and that is what the show is about too. Yeah. We talked about that with JoJo, like Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. The show is yes. all slow burn and tease, and that's what burlesque is. Yes, and so this fan dance is like the perfect encapsulation of that. Yes, and we also have a Franny of color here, mm-hmm. and um, and so her. Oh, oh, I'm looking. We're looking at this photo right now of. <laughs> Ava in profile. She's kind of sandwiched, sandwiched. between her two fans and she has this coy look uh, on her face. And that's what I really remember about her number. Her, for all of her big sweeping movements with the fans and her body, and she's a very tall Franny. She's got these long legs, long limbs, um, but it's really her coy looks that I remember. She, mm-hmm. she had these amazing doe eyes mm-hmm. that kind of reminded me of Prince's doe-eyed look that was <laughs> super sassy yeah. and intelligent. And um, ah, every, yeah. every photo here is just beautiful because the entire performance is so statuesque she also has an incredible nose ring must have had like rhinestones or something in it because it really did a lot under the light yeah and then so this contrast of these pale pink fans and then her dark skin tones and then this silver headdresses and pasties and things that just caught the light and the whole thing was just it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like this before. And it reminded me of what I've read of these kind of legendary performances from the 1920s that Josephine Baker and these other performers that uh, that I wish I could have seen. And mm-hmm. I feel like I caught a glimpse of that. Yeah. And I feel so lucky to, I know. to see that. So Ava, you're incredible. Yeah. Just she, incredible. Look, at, look at how happy she looks yeah. in this photo. Yeah. It's yeah. Oh, and the strappy heels, the strappy gold, gold ugh. that I want really bad. Yeah, they're gorgeous. I did not get a chance to talk to Ava after the show. I was looking for, her, but um, Ava, I just want to tell you, you're amazing. You are my hero. Yeah, keep keep rocking. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. And then oh. we have uh, Mr. Butler gets high in yep. a little interlude. Yep. 
And then we get Hugh. <laughs> Hugh. Oh my gosh. Performed. Actually, what is the name of this one? Hugh learns to kiss. <laughs> this is so, taken from the, the Kama Sutra He's bit. sitting uh, in a chair with a book on his lap. And he's in his full constable uniform. And the performer for this is Al Lickia. Mm-hmm. Great stage name. I get name. to talk to Al afterwards. Al was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and such a perfect hue. Confident and funny. Really wrote, this is clearly a comical number. Like Sess and Bert, this is a funny number, mm-hmm. but also sexy and I think poignant too, because it gets at his vulnerability of not not knowing how to approach Dot. It's mm-hmm. all about, he's in, he's supposedly in private and he's trying to figure out how to woo Dot. So we've had Dot's sexual awakening early on and now this is Hughes, Hughes. using this book. Hughes' sexual awakening is a lot funnier, I'm just going to say. And it, yes, it really is. In a different way. Like it, yeah. Dot's was funny too, but in a like sassy way, this mm-hmm. was funny in a, oh, Hugh. So on the book, he holds it up to his face and in giant letters it says, to woo a lady. Yeah, in like little kid handwriting. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, and so, yeah, he's getting inspired and starts uh, stripping down and kind of, what is the band on the sleeve. I was wondering about that. So there are like well, three white stripes on a band. I think it's his rank. Okay. And so he removes that pretty much. And the thought of like first. removing your rank as a strict tease is hmm. h- is hilarious. And huh. and I'm not sure that that is his rank, but that's my guess. Yeah. Because, you know, like in the American military, your rank is on your shoulder. It's like a little bar tack. But I- I'm guessing that's his I think his you're rank. right. That makes sense. Yeah. And you're right, removing it. I love that. That's There's a little a, extra level of mm-hmm. cultural, I don't know, tidbitness. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got some suspenders. And I mean, the constable costume. I, I loved the costumes yeah. so much. Yeah. They are Miss Fisher period costumes that also have like rip away sides. I, I mean, it was just tear so away period yeah. costumes. Hilarious. Tear away, that's what I wanted. And this is a, he's, he's referencing Chaplin a little bit, I think in his, in, in his, um, or, or Buster, is it Buster Keaton? He's, oh, he's referencing one of the old yeah. comedians in the performance. It could be Buster Keaton. It might be. Um, but there's a bit where he, after he's ripped off his constable jacket, which of course isn't it has buttons in the front but it tears away in the back because you know practicality here he then drapes it over himself over his head and then uses it like this this pantomime prop which i think is just hysterical and does little high kicks while sitting in a chair (laughs) it was very unexpected and really really funny yeah um yeah and then the striptease continues taking off the socks and oh yes, tearaway sock garters again. Oh, the tearaway pants were killing me. Yep, so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and then doing the same move with the pantyhose where you stretch them all the way. Doing that with men's socks is the funniest thing ever. It really was and completely titillating. It's so great. This performance continues with alternating hilarity and sexiness, which I think I think this performer plays really really well. I think mm-hmm. Al's whole thing the whole demeanor here really rides the line well and then we end with um dot actually walking in on hugh inadvertently and even though dot has ostensibly already been awakened with her little rosary bits um (laughs) she is still kind of scandalized here by hugh's performance so hugh 
in all modesty, covers up what bits are remaining with his bobby hat and then ends with a salute. Yeah. And then, oh boy, we get Mac. You get to lead this one. And everyone, everyone cheered yeah. when oh, Mac screaming. appeared. Yeah, yeah. She's so good. Her name is Tamara the Trapeze Lady. Yes. And she plays a fantastic Mac. She so, even looks like her. I know. Um, so she's sitting reading the Melbourne Gazette and starts strutting around and removing her suit and what what would you like to say about this fantastic menswear all kinds of things but before i do <laughs> i want to give a major shout out to the amazing stank face that, <laughs> that matt gives us all through the performance it's so sassy it is and yes the menswear in this holy cow this is the moment i've been waiting for i mean we've had some good we've had some good moments up till here and i want to say you know respect to everybody who put together their costumes and i think the performers did their own costuming in this um I could be wrong, but I think that's the case. But Mac really went the extra mile. She's got on, she's got the French cuffs with the cuff links. She's got the sleeves that are the perfect length so that you actually see that half inch of white cuff underneath that suit, that suit jacket, which almost nobody remembers <laughs> to do now. Then we have this amazing waistcoat with a watch fob and everything. And then we only get a strip tease of her upper half, which I think is fabulous. So we mm-hmm. have, the, and she is definitely wearing a fedora. That is a fedora. Okay. And she takes off this white button down shirt and then she's got this wife beater under it, under which you can clearly see her pasties. <laughs> and I'm just dying at this point. Yeah. And she's got suspenders on. I don't know, you know, and which is also period Hanging appropriate down. because you would not wear a belt with a waistcoat. You would wear suspenders mm. under a waistcoat. Okay. And so my, my husband would approve of that, I think, if he were there. Um, so she strips down just to the waist and then uh, we see her hilarious pasties, which I can't tell if they're, I think they're just red. I don't know if they're shaped or, I don't think they're actually I shaped. I think they're like a brocade or something. Well, they match that... her suspenders for sure. And, and, and I think her ass the... Yeah. 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 So fabulous tweed pants and suspenders are still on, but the suspenders are dangling by her side. And then, which and she's still is... wearing her hat. That the dangling suspenders is also a huge fanfic thing. Totally. So, yes. Oh, Moving yeah. on. Um, the wife beater. The wife beater. Oh, yeah. She rips the wife beater off. Can't just take it off. Nope. Because, well, you know, that would disturb the fedora. Mm, true. So you got to rip gotta, that sucker yeah. off. Yep. And then just owns it with more fabulous stank face. And then our Sess and Bert, now clad as naked ladies, basically, waltz in wearing robes and then put a silk robe on her which looks like like a boxing robe you know like the yes i'm a champion kind of boxing robe mm-hmm. Ugh, it is sassy and sexy and wonderful and they sort of escort her around the stage parading around like these are my ladies <laughs> yeah yeah yes another very smug face there <sighs> um yeah. Then we are at the end. This the finale. The, yeah. Our 11th act. Uh, and this was also one of my favorites. It was very hard to, to choose favorites, but mm-hmm. this is among them, definitely. And this is called Briny and Jack and a Case slash Gin. Yeah. <laughs> this is our only performance where there's two main performers. So we have Sailor St. Clair in the role of Phryne. And then we have Mariah Zook is Jack. So we have a woman playing Jack. 
in this. And she has the perfect cheekbones. I mean, just... Perfect. Yeah. She's tall and very thin and androgynous. She's got very long hair that's been tied up into this kind of pinned up ponytail. It's Um, a man bun, I guess. It's a man bun. (laughs) And she has kind kind of a deeper voice for a woman adding to that androgyny. That's right. They actually speak. They in do. This one. There's actual dialogue yeah. in this. Oh, and, and I think- it's so clever. I mean, it's he's quoting Shakespeare to her. She's draped on his desk. So they're I think they're at the office. And she's wearing the most gorgeous flapper black and gold fringed beaded gown with these gold um shoes, pumps, pumps sort of with like yeah. A, yeah. Um, and they're sharing a nightcap together, and oh, just man. their their body language, their postures are so perfect. And yeah. Sailor Saint Clair is such a good Franny on the desk here. Yeah, and oh, Jojo wrote the dialogue, um, so we do have some dialogue here. It's very sassy. It's fantastic. So Jack cannot be tempted into a nightcap at the beginning. So after some witty banter, Jack exits the stage. And then we're left with Franny. Which, and there was much like, oh, Yeah. Yeah, which was really fun. The yeah. audience uh, was definitely sad that yeah. he was not going to be uh, tempted this time. Yeah. So sure our sixth Franny does a striptease alone, and she is phenomenal as well. Um, she, I think, is the one who looks the most like the TV Franny. So she's doing these sexy things with pouring herself drinks, like lifting it high in the air to keep pouring. And and it's Jack's glass. Oh, I didn't catch yeah, that. Yeah, she's using that. She's like rubbing it against her body and like fetishizing that. the glass that he that just so drank out of. She does her striptease and of course her undies match her dress. Oh my gosh. The, yeah, the under things in this one were just killing me. They were they're sumptuous. Like, yeah, they're like black satin with... Uh, Gold brocade. Uh, yeah, they're like lace applique things in, in various places that make it just gorgeous. And I should note that these panties are very high cut. They're like mm-hmm. very period. They're very high cut panties, which I think modern viewers normally would not associate with sexy, but it just works. They it really are sexy. It actually covers her navel and it completely works. So so at first, at least, her, her negligee is kind of not revealing. Mm-hmm. And it's only till later that we really see anything. And, and she just owns it she she does so well with this costuming and her posture Ugh. and then her when we finally see what she's really wearing under there this little thong with a gold tassel <laughs> hanging down in a strategic place so at the end she's only wearing this thong this tasseled thong and a pair of pasties and she's sitting on the desk when jack walks back in oh and she oh yeah she pours his drink over, over. herself at the end and jack walks back in to find her this way. And they have another little exchange of dialogue, and then there's this mounting tension in this silent moment, and then he asks her if... Is it, he asks her if she wants more gin, is that right? I can't remember what they say. I just remember that he... He reaches steadily, behind her. So he steadily is walking towards her, and everyone's like, they're gonna, they're gonna. Her, she's sitting on the desk with her legs absolutely spread, yeah. wearing almost nothing. And he's walking toward her and then very subtly reaches behind. To get his hat. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And then pulls that out. And everyone's like, no. No. 
<laughs> and then I think somebody asks somebody something. I don't it's something like, would you like more gin or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think that's right. And then she responds with, oh, fuck, yes. And then they and go then at they it. Go at they it. just go at it. And there is it. much cheering. Yeah. Yeah. It's It was such a good way to end this. Yeah, the, like, hot makeout session at the end of this. And then Aunt P walks in on them <laughs> and, and feigns shock. And then everybody just bursts out laughing. It's just the perfect ending to the show. So good. Yeah. Um, Also, there's a picture on Facebook of them after they did the makeout scene. Oh, really? And there's lipstick Lipstick just just everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And and it really is the epitome of this whole thing of of the the fan fiction that they're bleeding into Mm -hmm. and, and sending up the endless sexual tension of the show and giving the fans what they really want, which is what for Franny and Jack to just go at it. (laughs) It was a very satisfying end to this show. (sighs) My only complaint about the show is it was too short. There wasn't more of it. I know. Yeah. I, I could have been there for so much longer and would have loved it, but it was so magnificent. Yeah. The audience, the performers, the, the theater itself, it was fantastic. They're, really, they, they left no detail unconsidered here. And, and considering that I think for these smaller shows, I think the, the performers are really in charge of sourcing their own outfits, doing their own makeup and hair and all this other stuff. So the fact that they all came together and all independently did their part to create this amazing performance is just... It just blows my mind. I know. We are so lucky that we got to see this. Yep. I feel incredibly fortunate. And afterwards, so, you know, afterwards we all exited. We had to kind of clear out of there because they had one more performance that night. So we all cleared out of the theater and then we were all kind of milling around in the bar. And then the performers come out and we got to talk to several of them and have these great conversations about the show and their characters and what they were thinking with their costumes and what was really kind of surprise I mean I was not expecting this at all but they knew who we were they were like hey we listened to the podcast and blah 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 and and I was not expecting that I I was not either I wanted to fangirl them for being these incredible burlesque performers they had just been up on stage doing these amazing acts yeah I still we're the ones who are the fans here they are the real Yes. The real performers here. So thank you, Jojo, for inviting us to this. Thank you for putting this on. And thank you to everybody in the cast and the crew, the lighting, the ticket takers, the raffle gal, everybody. The photographer, there was like a little photo op with the sign for Miss Fishnet's Stripper Mysteries right when you came in. And of course, we hammed the heck out of that. Yes, we did. They're going to be photos. So, um one of us has photos somewhere. I think it's you. I think it might be me. And Jojo has photos and we'll see what we can get um, up on the, on the site for show notes. Cause there are just so many. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that was helpful for people who wanted to come, but could not. Um, this wasn't really a mini podcast, was nope, it? It was maybe the regular length. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we really can blather for I know. ever. Uh. Yeah. Um, So I guess in other fan news, uh, the con is coming up in early May. Yes. So if you have not registered, definitely do that. There is... I and if believe. you if you have not heard yet, this this uh, the the Miss the Miss Fisher Con will be held in Las Vegas, 
uh, the first weekend in May. The 4th through the 7th. Yes. And the location is the Vidara Hotel. Which um, I have read is one of only a small handful of completely non-smoking ho- hotels in Las Vegas. Yeah. The f- powers that be have thought ahead yes. on this. And we actually, we got to meet Bianca, who is the organizer. Yes. She's also um, known as the Honorable Mrs. McCarthy. And she's ah. one of the adventuresses and one of the organizers of the con. And, and had a knockout outfit. Oh my gosh, yes. And Paste rubies, a big red flower in her hair, uh, yeah. sexy lace dress. Oh. So it was so fun to meet her in person. It was so fun to meet the other fans. And her husband as and well. And her husband, yeah. Mr. Uh, the Honorable Mr. McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and that's what I'm really looking forward to with the con is like-minded women coming together and obsessing over this show in various ways. And they're going to be panels and breakout sessions and themed, um, vendors selling Mm. like fascinators and stuff. Um, there's a citywide scavenger hunt. Uh, I mean, say no more. I'm there. Like that's amazing. And the actor who plays Bert is going to be there. Travis McMahon. His headshot is in the, the program here, and I'm just saying, like, he's giving yeah. Jack a run for his he money. He really is. Because we're used to seeing him kind of looking crabby in his Burton mm-hmm. outfit, but, man. Yeah, he's he's bringing it in this yeah. headshot. Um, and so the early bird registration has passed. Has passed. However, yes. if you uh, type in frack, P-H-R-A-C-K, you will get that early bird special again. Ah. And I believe... You can mention this podcast and also get that same discount. Oh, so yeah. So if that uh, if that entices you, you should do it. Do yeah. it. Do it. And personally, I I am one who has to usually get dragged to this sort of thing because I am one who is actually for as much as I will blather in a microphone with a friend here, I actually am quite shy in real life. And so I am usually one who likes to hang back and anonymously observe things. But I actually am so glad that I'm going to go to this because because there are so many like-minded women who are going to be here and feminist all mm-hmm. and, and kind of being together to talk about these things that we care about in this crazy city... I yeah. don't know. Something about that really appeals to me. And I'm really glad to be going with you, Mary. I, I think know. I'm so excited to go with you. I, I had mentioned before that I thought I would sooner go to Australia with you than Las <laughs> Vegas. Like, I never in my wildest dreams imagined I would be going with Chandler to Vegas. But I am so excited. We're going to paint be... that town. Yes, we are. And Las Vegas is like, please. <laughs> <laughs> So for more information on the con, uh, go to the Facebook page for the Adventuresses Club of the Americas. And mm. they have um, the rundown of what's going to happen at the con, the dates, the location, all of that good stuff. And to tell you in advance, if you take any social media photos or if you're posting anything in advance of the con, um, use the hashtag MissFisherCon so we can all keep up with each other's exploits before, during, and after. <laughs> Jojo just mess <laughs> just mess messaged us with the the, the we Merkins. Were, Merkins. I yeah, we were wondering what the uh crotch cover things, the 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 song minus spoon bicycle seats are called. Yes, turns out they're called Merkins. Or Americans. I know. <laughs> when I first saw this, I thought it was like America. Um, but I no. think that's fitting. America. We're covering your crotch. <laughs> 
Oh, Merkins. So what I have think we I done? know our. I think I know our toast then. Oh, what is it? Well, you're I, so good with these. I never know. Well, I was gonna toast to all of the incredible and professional performers in the burlesque that we saw. But so, of course, I think that toast is implied. But mm-hmm. I think, I think I'm gonna just also gonna have to toast to a Merka. <laughs> For covering our crutch and our asses. <laughs> Cover in our asses. Cover in our asses. Mark. Mark. <laughs> I forgot about Hubba, that. Hubba. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.